Welcome to the world of culture pop with Steve Mason and Sue Kalinsky. Culture, comedy, movies, TV, tech, authors, trends, pop, pop. This is the Culture Pop Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Culture Pop Podcast. I'm Steve Mason along with Sue Kalinsky. Kalinsk, what's going on? <laughs> well, um, we basically are both back from tremendous trips. So oh. I'm still kind of uh, riding the high of my trip to Big Sur. So I'm sure it paled in comparison to your. Well, yes, it did. <laughs> well, I mean, just I mean, just just watching, you know, just looking at um, your Instagram and seeing some of the activities that you did, um, it it just looked like an amazing trip. And look, I stayed in a in a travel trailer. Sure, you, the place in the that Winnebago. you stayed at in the Winnebago. So you know where you stayed was um, kind of uh, was on a whole nother level. Yeah, so I was in Costa Rica. I was at a place called Rio Perdido. And it is a thermal river that flows out of the volcano. So it is warmer than you would expect. And all encompassed in this, uh, this resort, I guess you would call it, uh, there is zip lining and there is whitewater tubing and there are mineral pools. Uh, but the exciting part was the zip lining and the whitewater tubing, which were crazy for me. Crazy. How high up were you in the zip line? God, probably, I don't know, 250 feet. Way really? Up. Yeah, because you're zip lining over canyons and right over the river. And uh, I'd never zip lined before. And it is such a rush um, to just like be pushed off this platform. And to just sail, you know, 150 yards to the other side of this, uh, this canyon. I mean, it was crazy and I got such a buzz from it. I was so excited from it. There were eight zip lines, eight different zip lines on the course. So it, as soon as you got done with one, you would be on to another and then you'd be on to another and you'd climb and you'd be on to another. And I mean, I never felt uh, scared. I never felt fear. I just felt pure adrenaline. It's misleading looking at it from the video because it looked lower than than the height that you're saying. And I, I remember I looked. I said to Tom, I said, "Ah, it, <laughs> it looks like a little bit." Not that it was wussy, right. but I said it doesn't really look like it's that high. I said, "Oh, I would do that because I'm petrified of heights." Um, you could do it. You could absolutely do it. I mean, you know, you've got guides that are hooking you up to everything as you go along. I don't know what the equipment is. I mean, you're, you're hooking yourself up. You're constantly on a tether. Um, but man, you get to that moment and it's such a thrill. It's such a thrill. And you don't even have time to think about it. Like it's going on and you're like, I can't believe that just happened. I can't believe I just sailed across this ravine. So how how long how long is it time wise that you're that you're on it? On, uh, on a particular one? On, yeah, on one ride. Probably twenty five seconds, I would say. Oh, okay. Seconds, maybe it's not. You don't go forever and ever, but twenty five or thirty seconds, man. You are just flying through the air. It's like a funny car. <laughs> yes, it is. It's because like it's a quick. Car. Yeah, you know, they really go quick. fast, but it's quick. Yeah. And then the thing that uh, was actually 
I was a little bit more scared, despite the fact that I was way above this canyon. I was a little bit more scared about whitewater tubing. So you get in these tubes and the rapids like are for real. I mean, they are literally, you know, rapids like you would see in whitewater uh, rafting. Um, and you're sitting on this inner tube and you're hanging on for dear life and you come to a drop and you've got to hang on. And there were probably, I don't know, seven or eight sets of rapids that you go through. Um, the peaceful parts are really nice. And then all of a sudden it's like, holy hell, what the hell am I doing here at this point? Um, because you see this drop coming and I stayed on my raft every time except for one, I got thrown. I got thrown on the very first rapids, which was this really steep drop. Um, the rest of the time I was able to stay on my inner tube, which I can't say for everybody else. Like, uh, there was one lady on there, God bless her. She fell every single time. Mm -hmm. I felt so bad for her. We were all like rooting for her. Come on, get one, get one. And it was a group of like maybe eight people. And everybody fell off at least once, except for this French girl who just somehow sailed through the entire thing with no, she's probably 105 pounds, sailed through this entire thing, never got overturned, never left the inner tube. She was just amazing. But everybody else got thrown at least once. Juan got thrown twice, uh, which we laughed about. I've been saying, you got thrown twice as many times as I did during whitewater <laughs> tubing. Well, it's like, uh, it's like being on a mechanical bull on water. And it totally yeah. is. It totally is. I mean, and 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 there's rocks. There's rocks there, aren't oh, there? I mean, that would rocks. that. See, that's what would would scare me. Yeah, I got off and then hitting I a got rock. scuffed up pretty. Oh good yeah. Oh yeah. Wow. Against a uh, a rock, and I came back. You know, I, I'm not known. I'm very well known for um, my physical accidents, whether it's breaking my foot on uh, Fox TV or it is. What else? Uh, oh, I, I took a mace. They call it the mace plant where I went face down during a basketball game and just slammed my face into the court. Uh, so everybody was like all concerned here. Oh, Mason's going to try this stuff. Oh, it's never going to work because, you know, he's going to pull another mace. plant. Never pulled a mace plant. I did great the entire time. I rode every ride. I did rode every rapids and I survived the whole thing with some bumps and bruises. But uh, the whitewater rafting or whitewater tubing was a little bit more scary because mm -hmm. you'd go down the rapids backwards. So you didn't really see what was going. Yeah. <laughs> well, like, that's, that's good and bad, I guess, in some it's, ways. It's good and bad. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, to not know where the drop is exactly or to yeah. see how far the drop is um, was, uh, was crazy. But it was, it was the most, it was a top three vacation we've ever had. Oh, you know, we've so gotten cool. to go everywhere. It was so, it was so amazing. And then these mineral waters, which, you know, that's like totally my jam. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the mineral water soaking and all that stuff. There's a lot of walking. You get used to, you know, some bugs. You're, you're living with bugs. Monkeys. I Tons saw. Monkeys. Yeah. There are uh, howler monkeys and there are capuchin monkeys and uh, had a close encounter with a capuchin monkey right at my window where he's like putting his hand right on the window. Wow. Um, it was so awesome. And at one point I put my hand on the window and he put his hand exactly on the other side of the glass at the same time. Aww. And I was like, oh, that is the coolest friggin' thing. 
So you weren't out in the wild with them. They were behind glass when you saw them. Well, they were outside of our room. Oh, and did you have any encounters with them? Out, oh, outside, like yeah. Outside, they they would run down and they'd grab, you know, something off the deck and they'd mm-hmm. you know, grab, somebody dropped a, a roll or something and here comes a howler monkey swinging in and grabs it real quick and he's gone real quick. Um, yeah, Costa Rica's got monkeys all over the place. Um, but uh, yeah, Costa Rica, I strongly, have you ever been? I've never been. Tom's been, um, in, you know, in his, you know, heyday of surfing, he went to Tamarindo. So I don't know. If oh, yeah, was. I know. I know Tamarindo. Yeah. Yeah. So That's he went there beautiful. years, years, years and years ago. Um, no, never been. So would you think you would zip line if you were there? Probably not. <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't. Even think after, so. even after me saying it felt totally safe the entire time, it was just adrenaline. You know, I, it's I'm. It's just not something I think I would do. I think I'd be too afraid. And what about uh, whitewater tubing? I won't do the tubing. No, you will not. You that's just a hard no. That's a hard no. Hard pass. Because I, yeah. I, I have tubed in my life, you know, and um, it, it's just too scary. It's not, it's not fun for me. You know, to me, it's like, you know, going on roller coasters, you know. I just, it is not fun. I don't like the tick, tick, tick drop. I just, it's not fun. That's I don't like was, being too. in a ride, you know, suspended on the sides of some cylinder, and then all of a sudden the floor drops out, and you're just in air holding yeah. on for dear life. Yeah. Not fun. Not fun. (laughs) So uh, tell me about your... So first of all, we had lunch. I came over to your house. Juan and I came over to your house along with Mm -hmm. our friends, Dave and Patty. And your husband, Tom, made the most delicious eggplant Parmesan. Uh, I call it the second best eggplant Parmesan I have ever eaten, apart from my mom's. My mom is number one. Mm -hmm. Tom is number two. Is is is, Is it really number one or you have to say that? My mom's? No, my mom's is really good. It's okay. really good. But I, I mean, flip a coin. I would eat yeah. it. On. I, right. Like, like if there was a my, taste test, would you be able to tell? I would not. I would okay. not be able to tell. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I, so really, really good. And I got to tour the uh, Winnebago, the world famous Winnebago of Tom <laughs> and Sue. And I was really impressed. It is like a little house. You've got plenty of space in there. Uh, you've got a shower in there. You've got uh, a bed where all the action happens. I mean, mm-hmm. you've got you've you've got a really nice setup. It's really sweet. Um, yeah, I mean, I you know a lot of times people are like, oh God, you know, why would you want something like that? Because you get to drive it to where, wherever you want to go, and you get exactly. to stay in all these cool places. And you went so to Big place, Sur. So we went to Big Sur, and we stayed at a campground that um, it kind of reminded me of summer camp because it was very woodsy. It was probably the most campy place we've ever been because yeah. some places we stay, you can kind of hear traffic and, you know, from you can hear the road a little bit. Right, right. This was completely secluded. A river ran through it and um, it separated both sides of the campground and there was a babbling brook. So there were kids tubing, which was kind of fun. Um, and just there's redwoods everywhere. Oh, wow. And it was so beautiful. The weather was great. Um, met great people. Um, you know, it's that, that's what I love so much about these trips because you meet like amazing people. Right. And uh, one, there, were, there were four different couples that were our next door neighbors because they stayed like a night or two nights. And the last right. people that stayed, they were probably in their maybe mid-70s. Um, and we just started talking about, you know, what we do. And they, they're from Chicago and they moved to Petaluma. And um, 
So she said, well, what, what do you do? You know, so I told her what my profession was. And she says, oh, I'm a filmmaker. I, you know, I make documentaries. And I said, oh, that's so cool. And, um, and her husband says, well, you're going to tell them? She won an Emmy. Oh, really? For a documentary she made um, about three women who, it was like an empowering documentary about the lives of three different women. So I haven't seen it. I have her card. She said, if you go on my website, you'll be able to see it. Oh, that's awesome. Thought, How cool is that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was fun. It was fun. Uh, well, awesome. Awesome. We'll, uh, we'll uh, talk a little bit more about that, but our, our guest uh, first. Our guest today has got a career that spans four decades. His film roles include Out of Sight, The Limey, Traffic, Boogie Nights, Magnolia, Carlito's Way, on and on and on. He's also had countless television roles, including his latest project, Ultra City Smiths on AMC+. Luis Guzman is here. Luis, thanks so much for doing this. You're welcome. So I definitely want to talk about Ultra City Smiths, which is crazy, funny, it's everything. Uh, but I also want to talk about the rest of, rest of your career, which is just a, an incredible legacy you've created with all your roles over the years. You were born in Puerto Rico. How did, how did you and your family wind up in the United States? Well, my mom was a teen mother. Uh, she was 17 at the time. And she boarded a plane to New York. Uh, her mother gave her this lady's address, and somehow she made her way there. I was I was a baby. I was like, but a few weeks old. And so my mom made it to uh, the South Bronx, where we lived temporarily, and then we moved to Chelsea. And she hooked up with my stepdad, uh, and she worked in the garment district. And my dad was, my stepfather, my dad, he raised me, uh, was a TV repairman. And then we moved in 1960, we moved to Greenwich Village, and we live on 10th and Hudson Street. But we lived in Greenwich Village for the whole duration of the 60s. It was like the best part of the universe. Wow, oh, Greenwich wow. Village in the 60s. What was that like? Oh, man, that was... uh. You know, the Greenwich Village back then was very bohemian, you know, very neighborhoody, you know. Um, it had it, it had its bars, it had its bakeries, you know. Um it was it was like a real neighborhood, you know. Uh um uh I was a shoe shine boy, you know. Uh, that's how I I made my I made my money shoe shining and the uh, delivering groceries to people. And, um, and you know, a dollar back in those days, man, you get yourself a hero, some Twinkies, and a soda, and still have 15 cents change from a dollar. Wow. You know? And, uh, you know, I guess one of the best parts of growing up was riding up to Yankee Stadium and sneaking into the bleachers at Yankee Stadium, watching the game, popcorn, hot dogs. And then at the very end of the game, after the last inning, jumping over the railing and running around the outfield for a couple of minutes, and then they opened the gate to the bullpen tunnel, and you just walked out. And, you know, that was like, a, to me, a classic childhood, you know? Of course, you try to do that now in Yankee Stadium. You got to get a lawyer. <laughs> you know, you got to get locked up, all this <laughs> yeah. stuff, you know? But, but 
back then, you know, growing up in the West Village was really cool. I went to PS41 Elementary School. Um, I went to IS70. That was in Chelsea. And then in 1970, we moved out of, of Greenwich Village to the Lower East Side because um, my father was a veteran and um, he applied for housing and they opened up this brand new middle class housing complex and we went from living on the fifth floor tenement that we had to walk up, okay? Mm. Right? I had I, I had thunder thighs back then <laughs> as a kid, you know, and moving to the eleventh floor, which you rode up in the elevator, of course, you know. So, yeah, yeah. And the Lower East Side back then, um, a big difference to to what it is today. Yeah, well, you know, when I got to the Lower East Side, like I kind of hung out where in the complex, Magic Towers. So I kind of hung out there and then like, I just started venturing out, you know, and I really dug hanging out like on Avenue C, Avenue B, you know, cause it was like super gritty, mm-hmm. super down and dirty, super adventurous, super dangerous, you know? Um, but, uh, you know, I ended up going to Sewer Park High School and in Sewer Park, I met these two guys who are still friends of mine. Uh, Eddie Perez and Diego Ortiz. And I ended up doing the high school play, Bye Bye Birdie, on the dare. Did you play? Mr. McAfee. Okay. <laughs> Paul in. Yeah. You know? yes. uh-huh. So uh, what happened was my gym teacher was directing the play that year. So I happened to have been walking past the oratorium, and I always used to bust his chops. So I came in and I said, okay, wait, 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 wait. You can't even run a gym class and you're going to direct the play? So he threw, he threw a script at me and he goes, let's see what you can do. So I was like, oh, wow. He kind of flipped it on me. And uh, I said, yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. And it was like the most nerve-wracking thing. It's like, you know, you're just waiting for your first line to come. You just you waiting for your first. You don't want to mess up that first night. Oh man, there it comes, there it comes. Bah, 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 bah. And then it's like, cool, we got past that. And so, yeah, you know, uh, we performed it. I think two weekends over two weekends, and uh, it was a hoot. You know, uh, you know, again playing Mr. McAfee, uh, and and just knowing how 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 Paul Lynn did it and. Watching him on Hollywood Squares when I was a kid in that time, it's like, okay, you know, so you kind of square. Yeah, 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 man. <laughs> and, uh, but like I said, I met my friend Eddie and Diego, and they were part of a theater group on the Lower East Side of young people, and they got me involved. And so I started hanging out more on like Sixth Street between A and B. Mm-hmm. And then uh, from there, uh, I joined a group called Charas, and these guys were like uh, community activists, artists, musicians, you know. Um, and uh, but we started building geodesic domes, and and uh, I got the opportunity to meet Buckminster Fuller. Um, wow! Yeah, yeah, because he 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 uh he was the mentor to this group, you know. 
And um, I also got an opportunity to sit next to Cesar Chavez because uh -huh. that's when they had the grape boycott and they came mm -hmm. to the East Coast and they came to the Lower East Side. And I sat next to him doing an organizing meeting. And then that led me to the New York Poets Cafe, you know, and because we were all, all these, the, the theater company, Charas, uh, New York Poets Cafe, they just kind of the same circle of people, you mm -hmm. know? And so those were like my early influences, you know? Uh, uh, I did go to City College for a year. And uh, I'll never forget that first year at City College, um, they were they were building brand new dorm buildings, and there was a riot. I mean, full on, you know. Here you are, freshman. Sure, it's like a full on riot going on in campus because what was going on back then? It was like all these construction workers were coming from Pennsylvania, Long Island, upstate New York, New Jersey, and so the community kind of said, "Yo, you're not hiring any of our people," you know. And so the students in the community uh, confronted the construction people. And man, there were like boats like that big flying off that construction site. Wow. I remember some construction guys getting chased down by people getting cornered, getting the crap beat out of them. You know, so like you, you, you're exposed to this and you're like this like 18 year old kid. And you're like, wow, you know? But you know, that was, that was the world back then, you know? So. Did you know uh, when you played Mr. McAfee that someday you wanted to be an actor? You know, um, uh, it was a hobby. It was a hobby. Because what, what ended up happening when I got involved with community theater, it was like if somebody wrote a play, you kind of were here, hey, you want to play these seven different roles? You know, mm -hmm. um, it wasn't something that I was passionate about. Like I said, it was a hobby. I did, I did meet Miguel Pinero because he was part of the New York Rican Poetry Cafe, and Miguel wrote Short Eyes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so Miguel, Miguel, when they did it into the into a movie, he got me an audition for one of the parts. I was living in a loft with like seven other people, like communal style, you know? Um, and nobody gave me the message that I had to go into an audition. So I ended up working at Short Eyes, but working in the background for six weeks, making $65 a day mm. back in like 1975. So my father was like really pissed off because I was making more money than he was, <laughs> actually. But, but I did Short Eyes. I did that movie. And I just became like this activist, you know, on the Lower East Side, you know, uh, promoting, promoting, promoting the homesteading movement, promote, promoting the arts movement, promoting, you know, we used to paint these beautiful uh, murals on the side of buildings, you know, um, uh, yeah, uh, uh, providing leadership programs to young people. Uh, that's what I became passionate about, you know. Mm. Uh, I got a scholarship 
We got an outward bound. I did outward bound up in Maine. You know, I had to live on a freaking boat. Like, what was I doing? Was I out of my mind climbing a cliff? You know, rock climbing, you know, jumping into water. I'll never forget that. So you you have to take a swimming test. Okay. You know, so you have to jump off the pier. It's like 20 feet down. So you don't get the opportunity to put your toes in just to feel the temperature. Man, I hit that water. That water was colder than the water in my refrigerator. <laughs> I, I swam like 30 yards in like less than a second, you know. But I, so I did Outward Bound. And then um, and then I got a scholarship to a really interesting place in Chicago called the Institute of Cultural Affairs, where I took three years of college in two months. Oh. It was a, one of the most intense things I ever did. You know, you're studying uh, uh, sociological structures, political structures, uh, economic structures, you know, within communities, mm -hmm. global on a global scale. And there was people from all over the world. There was all these scholars. And here's this kid, 19 years old, you know, like a fish out of water. But I grasped it because I always, I always, Never forgot this one. This one. This one guy in the neighborhood told me this. He said, "Knowledge is power. Hmm. The more knowledge you have, the more powerful you are. You know, be it in conversations and decisions that you make and observations, things like that. You know. So I did that, and and um, so, but I always work with young people. You know, and so um, I ended up." taking a job at Henry Street Settlement hmm. as a youth employment counselor, social worker. I did not have a master's degree. I went in. That was a prerequisite. I, the only experience that I had was my street experience. Mm -hmm. I'm not lying to you, man. It was like over a two-day period, like getting interviewed for like seven hours. Wow. You know, I got the job. Best job I ever had because, because I learned to help people to help themselves. Hmm. I was helping teenagers between the ages of 17 and 21 who had either dropped out of school, uh, were single parents, had, had been like first-time offenders, uh, out of drug rehab programs, you know, living with grandmothers and, or, you know, or, living in homeless shelters. And, and my job was to raise their self-confidence and their self-esteem and prepare them for a job interview, prepare them and get them to know themselves and who they are and where you're going and how to, how you're going to get there, you know? And, um, and it was through that program. I did that. I did that for about six years. It was through that program that one day I went out into the street looking for two kids that didn't show up. And and I was like already like I don't know eight to ten years removed from acting, mm -hmm. you know. Because like I said, I I just became this social activist person. And so one day I'm I'm on the street and I ran into Miguel Pinero, who I hadn't seen in a few years. And he told me, "Oh, I'm ready for a TV show. They're coming to New York. They're going to be looking for people. Why don't you see if you could get a part?" Like I said, I wasn't dreaming about it, thinking about it. Hmm. 
I went in to this audition to this woman named Bonnie Timmerman. Bonnie Timmerman. Sure. Yeah, she's huge. Yeah. Big deal. I waited three freaking hours to to say three lines. (laughs) You know, it felt like like life life of an actor, right? Right. (laughs) So I go in, I'm ready to read the line, and this lady goes to me, kill me with your eyes. And I'm like, oh man, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't see this here. <laughs> she said, no, 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 no. Yeah. She said, no, no, no. Kill me with your eyes. And I'm like, thinking, you mean like give you a mean look? He goes, yeah, give me a mean look. I give her a mean look. She said, thank you. I walked out of there. I did not know what happened. So I blew it off. Because like I said, you know, I wasn't heartbroken because, you know, I had my nine to five job that I love doing and stuff like that. I get a call a week later. From my friend, yo, the producer and the director, they want to meet you. And what? Said, yeah, man. So I go in and I meet I meet uh I meet I meet the producer Miami Vice and the director. And I'm reading with Miguel Pinero. Wow. So I, I read for them and they ask me to step out. Then Paul Michael Glazier comes out and he goes, Let me ask you something. Do you ever smile? <laughs> I go. I smile for him. He goes, "Thank you." I blew that off. I went home. Didn't think nothing about it. The third week. Sorry, this is taking so long. But the third week, I get a phone call. I say, "Hey, hi. My name is Richard Astor, and I represent Miguel Pinero as his agent. And I like to be your agent because you just booked a three-week gig on the season premiere of Miami Vice." Wow, the season oh premiere. God. That's great. Okay. I had no clue what Miami Vice was. I don't watch TV, nothing like that. That Friday, I watched the show. I was like, what did I get myself into? (laughs) And that was the start of my career. That was the start of, like, quote, unquote, the big leagues of of acting. You know, it's so funny because, you know, um, you you, you look at you and you you do have a, a menacing kind of look. You know, um, and then I see you do comedy and I just beam because you don't expect it out of you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and, and it's and it and it, it, it's just to prove what a gifted actor you are, because um, you do it all. Yeah, well, you know what? Um, it, it, it's a blessing, man. You know, it's a blessing because um, I didn't know what was going to happen. You know, I didn't, I didn't, you know, you go for Miami Vice, you go for Miami Vice and you go from that to like doing, doing all my children. So Papa, you show up at seven o'clock in the morning, you do this table reading, you don't recognize anybody, but nobody's wearing makeup. <laughs> then you come back, everybody's wearing makeup and says, like, oh. I know who that is. I know who that is. I know, you know, oh my God, you know? And now it's but now it's live TV. Yeah, right. And here you are as green as can be, and you are thrown into this and you get through it, you know? And um, but you know, it was it was interesting because earlier in my career, I was like killer number 93, burglar 62. 
You know, gypsy cab driver twenty three, um, bad guy eleven. So I knew I would. I, would, I knew that the numbers were coming down. Something was beginning to happen. You know. And then, and then, and then, and then I did this movie called uh, Oh my god, Oh my god, what was the name of the movie? Oh, come to me. It was a movie directed by Joe Rubin with James Woods, Robert Downey Jr., and Kirkwood Smith. About a guy, about an Asian guy that was locked up in jail. Listen, I've done so many things I can't remember. I know, I know. You've done you've done so many things. You're, you're, like, you're, you're like the kind of guy that there should be a, uh, like on a game show, there should be a Luis Guzman um, category. And people have to determine oh whether God, was yeah. he in it or not in it. Because you... You are one of those guys. You were one of those actors that you've been in so many things. Like I looked, I looked up, you know, IMDb, and was like, "Oh my god, I forgot you were in that." Oh, you were in that too. It's it's just remarkable. I will, I will tell you the what's the most embarrassing thing. Okay, to be on live TV, and all of a sudden the guy says, "Oh, so what was your character name in this?" And it's like, <laughs> I don't remember. It really it happened on live TV. I had to have my co-star. What was my name? Mario? Oh, yes, it was Mario. You know? <laughs> but, um, but, uh, oh. So oh, I, I want to ask you specifically wait, about. I, I remember. Oh, yeah, go I ahead. The, the name of that movie is called True, True Believer. Got it. True Believer. Yeah. So you've worked multiple times for two of the world's great directors, uh, Steven Soderbergh and Paul Thomas Anderson. Yeah. Tell me. Tell me about Soderbergh. What's it like? Because you did Out of Sight, you did The Limey, which you got unbelievable acclaim for, and you were in Traffic, which won Best Picture. What What's Soderbergh like on the set? You know, he's like the, the most easiest going guy. You know, his mind is always spinning. Uh, you couldn't tell, you know. But, you know, he... He's like creating the shots, you know, so he can tell the story, you know, tell the flow, you know, the the ambient ambience of, of of the shot, of the lighting, you know. And then you as an actor, you just come in and basically you're complimenting everything that he's putting together mm. in that environment, you know. Um uh, I absolutely love Steve because, again, he was like, he was like, he was like, oh, okay, yeah, do that. Yeah, okay, do that, you know? And, uh, but, but in the meantime, his thing was like, like I said, setting it out, making it happen, you know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, then, then Paul Thomas Anderson. So Boogie Nights is like one of my top 10 favorite movies of all time. Magnolia is just, like criminally underrated. It is so good. Punch Drunk Love with Adam Sandler. Paul Thomas Anderson, what what makes him special? Uh, well, what makes Paul special is he's very, very, very extremely passionate. You know, um, his writing is incredible. Mm-hmm. Writing is like, holy cow. When he sent me Boogie Nights, and he sent me the script to Vermont. I got the script. First of all, I didn't know what Boogie Nights. I just talked to this guy. Hey, I wrote the script. Did you read it? 
I get the script. I put it in my office. Six months later, I'm cleaning out my office. And at the bottom of the pile, I find that, oh, my God, that's that script that guy sent me. So I started reading it. I couldn't put it down. Yeah. I called him up immediately. My first words to him was, dude, they're going to let you make this movie? Because it was out there. I've never yeah. read anything. It was out there. It was eloquent. The details, how he caught that era, the times, all that stuff. And so I'm having this conversation. I go, how old are you? And he like mumbles something. And I go, oh, oh okay, you're, you're, you're 34. He goes, no, I'm 24. <laughs> and I go, what? That's where I knew this guy was special. Yeah. You know? yeah. He and, wrote that when he was 17, I read. Yeah. Well, he started writing it when he was, seven, when he, when, when he was 17. You know, so... You know, Paul, Paul, Paul's like a different animal, man. You know, um, I'm not going to lie to you. There were times that Paul and I had a little bit of a love-hate relationship, but we would make up all the time. But <laughs> I, would, I would do dumb things, you know, and he would call me out on it. And he would say things to me, and I would call him out on it. But at the same time, you know, it wasn't even about that. It was about... I was working with this genius director who put t together these, these this genius cast of people, you know, and man, we just all flowed together so well. You know, we told his story that he put down and it, we just glowed, you know. I mean, look, Punch Drunk Love, Boogie Nights, Magnolia, Top Notch. I got to tell you about Punch Drunk Love. Mm -hmm. Punch Drunk Love, Five minutes, five minutes into this movie, I totally forget that it's Adam Sandler. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because you get into this guy, Barry, you know, and it's like, oh my God, and you just see this character and all the stuff that he goes through and his family and then the girl and then the phone chick, you know, and then the job. And when somebody could write something like that, and not only write something like that, but when somebody could consume their self as an acting, as a as an actor, as a, and you just forget that, you know, Adam Sandler, iconic dude. Mm -hmm. Right. You know? And it's like, you're not watching Adam Sandler, you're watching this guy Barry. That's genius. Yeah. Well, and it also has something to say about a director who takes someone like Adam Sandler, who you would never, ever expect to be cast in something like that, and says, you know what? He is going to, he's right for this part. I see something in him that maybe no one else has ever seen or wouldn't even take a chance on someone who's, you know, stand up comic, you know, well, you whose know, roles were so goofy up until that point, you know? Well, you know, Adam Sandler is, is a magnificent, magnificent actor you know absolutely comedy wise phenomenal dramatic wise phenomenal you know and like i said what he did in punch your i mean he look he got nominated for that yeah film. yeah you know burt reynolds got nominated for boogie night and yes julian moore you know um uh 
Tom Cruise got nominated for Magnolia. For Magnolia, yeah. Well, so, you know, that says a lot about Paul. You know, I want to talk about Ultra City Smiths, which I got a chance to watch. On a, I watched six episodes on a plane. And I love the luxury of being able to watch back to back to back because you really sort of find yourself in the story. And I was thinking as you described kind of the Lower East Side in particular, does did the Lower East Side feel at all like Ultra City? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because it has a lot of those elements, you know? And if you go down the wrong corner, you know, in the wrong street or the wrong alley, it's like, well, you know, you have that sense of that, you know? That, that set that they built, you know, was so beautiful. You know, it's creepy, mm-hmm. but it's beautiful, you know? And it has a real character to it, you know? And, uh, when you see all these dolls dressed up, how they dressed up and they're going through that environment and stuff like that, you know, it really does work. You know, I somebody somebody said, uh man, I forget anyway, but it's it's different, man. It, but at the same time, it's Steve Conrad. Right. You know, Steve Conrad is a guy to me that doesn't get enough credit because he is such not only a great, great writer, but his like whole vision of this stuff that he's doing and how he's able to capture it, you know? Um listen man, when when he when he I sent him a picture of me when I was seventeen years old and I I had a huge afro. <laughs> so I, that's how he kind of develop my character based off that picture. It's such a, you know, it's such a beautifully layered story and every character has their own arc. And yes, you know, it is stop motion and it's these baby dolls. Um, And at the same time, you quickly forget that you're watching baby dolls or stop action because it's such a, a rich story. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and the, the, you know, the art direction is just incredible. Isn't it? Right. Yes. I mean, it really, you know, I had to rewind a couple of times because like I missed like the marquees, you know, and then, and then there's kind of tongue in cheek kind of stuff going on too, with like, you know, ultra, like an ultra filthy nightclub, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, do- then it was like dogs getting it on and, and, um, <laughs> it's just just insane um and and one one thing that 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 really struck me is you know the 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 bullies the the, the gangs with the bats um and the kid with the orange hair it kind of reminded me it was reminiscent of like clockwork orange a little yeah. bit well you know it's amazing how they took these dolls <laughs> and created these characters because as a kid, I remember those dolls. Mm-hmm. I remember those dolls. I remember seeing like just thrown around, you know. And it's, and and sometimes you just see like the torso with the head, or you see like an arm over there, a leg over there, the schoolyard, you know. Those were those dolls, you know. And to be able to bring them back and give them the life. 
and put them into the story and give them these characters that have these arcs to them, it's amazing. It's amazing. So when you got pitched this, um, obviously it's just another one of those stop motion using baby dolls, noir with musical numbers kind of show (laughs) that we've never seen before. When you get pitched that, what do you think? Um, I don't think much because I know Steve Conrad. Uh, we did Perpetual Grace together. Um, I know he's a great writer. Again, he's a great visionary. Uh, I heard of all the different people that were going to be involved. Uh, stop motion is something that I, I don't think I've ever done. Um, and this is the closest I ever got to stop motion, motion was when I used to watch Every Sunday morning as a kid, Davy and Goliath. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? And now to be able to watch this show in a whole different realm, it was like, yeah, I'm in. You know, like I say, you know, I just like I just like the different places that creativity goes into. And this was just something different. And again, because it was Steve Conrad, because it was the ensemble uh actors, you know because it was Ultra City Smith and that beautiful landscape of, of that was created for it, you know? I mean, this is, this, I don't think that, they, I don't think there's nothing else out there like it. And to be a part of it, I'm good. Yeah, and, and the beauty of this this type of, of uh, the, the stop motion, you know, you, you get away with a lot more when I, I always feel with, with something like this or like animation, you think about like what Steve Bochco tried to do years ago with Cop Rock, you know, and make it oh, into right. a yeah, musical, yeah, yeah. you know. I mean, this worked and I bought it. And there was never a moment where I thought, oh, God, this has kind of taken me out of the story a little bit. It, it, it actually drew me more into it because it worked. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like I said, you know, it, 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 it's a great premise. You know, um, I mean, down from the train to the fire escape to the marquee to even just walking around the corner and say, whoa, this is this is another world within the world, you know? Yep. And just the characters, man, the characters, you yeah. know, and they all have some kind of issues, you know? Yeah. Uh, even, like, even like Jimmy Simpson, like singing, yep. you know? It was like that was off the hook for me. I said, "What?" Yeah, I even yeah. thought of I even thought of Chinatown. You know, Ultra City. She don't care. She don't yeah. care. It's just like yeah. Jake. It's Chinatown. Forget it. It's Chinatown. It's got that sort of vibe, that noir sort of vibe, which I yeah. always, always loved. Right, and it had a sense, and it has a sense of humor too. With the later, and it's like, what do you mean later? And it's like, it's like no, later means. I'll see you later. It's not like it's going to happen. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> that was fun. So let me ask you about, uh, generally speaking, representation of uh, Latinos in film and television now. Obviously, it was it was a huge issue, um, and and it has been addressed to some degree, but have we gotten there yet? Is there enough representation of uh, Latinos in film and television now? Uh, I think it's gotten better. You know, 
Uh, I think it's gotten better. I mean, not only for actors, but for directors. You know, I think, I think, I think the bigger picture for me is more representation on the producing level. Mm. You know, because because it's one thing to be an actor, it's one thing to be a director. It's another thing to be someone who called the shots. Yeah. It's it's another thing to be someone who can green light, you know. And and so I think there's still work to be done in that aspect. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, um, I think there's more of us working, definitely. Um, but like I said, it's it's a it's a whole bigger picture than just being an actor. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And 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 I think I think that still needs some addressing to be done because there are so many wonderful uh, Latin scripts out there that are not being relit for whatever reason. And I think sometimes it's it's like that cultural divide. But I also feel this, you know. I also feel it's up to the Latin community to also step up and be able to produce some of these projects also. Because, you know, I don't always want to count on Hollywood. I don't want Hollywood to give me permission. You know, I want to be the guy that say, yo, I raised the money, we shot this, it's an incredible project, and then kind of kind of um, this deciphering how to distribute these movies, you know, because I did a movie some years ago that I produced that I helped put together and it was called a movie, little movie called Puerto Ricans in Paris. Uh, it was a great comedy, and it was bought by uh, it was bought by a distributor, and they didn't distribute it right. Right. And that when movie, you say when you I didn't mean, mean to interrupt you, but when when you say it wasn't distributed right, what did they do wrong? What they did wrong was they did, they didn't they put it in like movie like three four movie theaters. Or weekend, yeah. you know, right? You know, and it, and and it's like, like, like the effort really wasn't made to really put it out there, you know. Or I did, a, I did, I did, I did this incredible movie with incredible cast called Nothing Like the Holidays, and it, that movie got great reviews, and it was about a Puerto Rican family on Christmas, and Christmas is. Everything to everybody every, everywhere on this planet. We all know, you know, but 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 it's like the, the the distributors and the people that were in charge of publicity, they only targeted Latin communities. Right. right. And and it's like, hold up, hold up. My big fat Greek wedding. Yeah, yeah, it's a right. universal right. story. So right. why would exactly. it be? Exactly. Exactly. You already you already so, got that audience. Yeah. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. And it was, I mean, you got you got people like Alfred Molina in that movie. You got Louis Guzman. You got John Leguizamo. You got Deborah Messing. You got Freddie Rodriguez. You know, you got Jay Hernandez. You know, a whole bunch of other people, you know? And it's like, are you kidding me? You can't give it a proper distribution? Yeah. So, you know, that's, that's part of the battle still, you know? Um, and then, you know, the, the whole ruckus that happened with, like, in the Heights and stuff like that. You yeah. Know? What do you What do you if think I, of the I mean, ruckus with In the Heights? First of all, I give all the credit in the world 
to Lin-Manuel Miranda because, you know, first of all, as a play, spectacular. Yeah, yeah, I've seen it three times as on stage. It's amazing. Okay, I beat, I beat you. I saw it four times. Wow, okay? there you go. <laughs> okay, the first time I saw it, I'm proud to say this, the first time at the end, when they're doing that song finale, I was bawling. I yeah. was crying because I was so happy to see something on, a, on such a stage at Broadway. I, said, I, I just saw my life. Yeah. I saw the people that I grew up with on the stage. Hmm. You know, the music. Everybody knew what a piragua was after that. Yep. You know what I mean? I was proud. So it's hard to take something as magnificent as that and put it into a movie and expect the same result. So you know, for you, did the movie work or was, was, well, I haven't, I haven't seen the movie. Okay. I haven't seen the movie, but you know, the whole backlash that came from the Latin community about there weren't enough Latin actors of color and stuff like that. You know, man, that's, that's not what that was about, mm-hmm. you know, because to, to those naysayers, I say, you know what? What have you guys accomplished? How many people have you put to work? Yeah, right. Because you know, that's, that's the reality, man. You know, give credit to whoever do. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Now, now, because of this whole COVID stuff, you release a movie in theaters, you can also watch it at, at home on videos. It's kind of shooting yourself in the foot. I totally agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I totally agree. I, I really think... You know, I love going to the movies. And yeah, I went to the movies over the weekend. I had to wear a mask. You know what? I can live with that to be able to see a movie and to have that experience, you know? Yeah. You know, and, and like I said, look, man, for all those people that were getting on Lin-Manuel's case, shame on them because I like to ask them what have they accomplished. Yeah, right. Of, right. right. So, and look what he's done. I mean, in, in everything that he's done and who he's cast. Yeah. I mean, he's so inclusive, you know? What? You know? If you if you if you sit down with Le Manuel, Le Manuel is not this character. Le Manuel is a real good, a real down to earth homie. You know, you know that that's who he is. You know, and and like I said, you know everybody's entitled to their opinion. Sure, and I will put you in your place. Yeah, you know? right, right. So, yeah. Well, listen. Uh, the show is called Ultra City Smiths. It is available now on AMC+. Plus. Cannot recommend it more highly, especially really, really bingeable. Uh, the storylines are great. The musical numbers are great. The whole thing just completely works. Uh, you're great in it. Uh, and you're great in everything, man. So, so we appreciate you taking some time with us today. Well, thank you, guys, man. Great meeting you. you I too. love your vibe. And, and thanks for all the great questions. And thank you for your time. Awesome. Thank all you, right. Luis. Thanks, Luis. All right, guys. Stay beautiful. And there is Luis Guzman, who really is great in everything. Oh, God. And what he's... a fantastic backstory, right? I mean, who he is and how he became who he is is an amazing story. Yeah. And, you know, it is one of those things that I find when it comes to acting. I mean, look, this is something that I that I that I always wanted to do. You know, I wanted to do stand-up at a very young age. I wanted to be an actress. Um, but whenever I would go into an audition and kind of like not worry about it which sometimes was difficult 
Yeah. And just, you know, just go in and whatever happens, happens. Those were the times where I would book it. Yep. Yeah. You to not be attached to the outcome of the whole. It sounds like he was just like, screw it. Yeah. I'm going to show up at this audition. I'm going to do my thing. I'm going to look, give a mean look, a menacing look, and I'll get booked off just my look. Right. Crazy. Yeah. And, and how many times, you know, would you get the opportunity to, you know, because you think of all the people that, that, you know, that, that has been in their blood, you know, for ever since they're little kids, this is all that they've ever wanted. And here is somebody who just kind of stumbled into it, Yep, you know, and made this, um, you know, prolific career out of it. So. Yeah. 40 years, 40 years. Yeah. I wanted to pass along as the AMC people did. It's on uh, Ultra City Smiths. By the way, I have a sibilant S, so I have trouble saying Ultra City Smiths. Uh, it is on AMC Plus now, and then it will be on regular AMC on the 13th of September, so everybody can check it out and strongly recommend it. All right, Sue, so we get to do this all the time, and somebody makes that possible. Who is it? Jacob and Ronnie. What uh, would we, we do love, without him? What we love, Jacob. What a great guy. I saw some pictures of him and his family over at the LAFC uh, this past weekend on Instagram and just beautiful family. He coaches his kids in soccer and basketball. Uh, he's uh, an official sponsor of the Los Angeles Lakers, official sponsor of LAFC, huge sports guy and a guy that I text back and forth with and, and talk to a lot. Um, and so I can vouch for this guy a couple of years ago. So I don't know if I've ever told you the story. A few years back when my dad was alive, he took a fall. And it was negligence on the part of, I don't want to name the place, but on the part of that place. And Jacob and Ronnie got involved. And he was the first guy I called because I know him because I he's a friend of mine. And, you know, he did an unbelievable job with that case um, and uh, and resolved it in our favor. Uh, that's what I'll say, resolved it in our favor. Uh, so if you are involved in any kind of accident, a car accident, motorcycle accident, bicycle accident, as a pedestrian, a work accident, any of that stuff, I vouch for Jacob and Ronnie. Great dude, great guy to talk to. And on top of that, the insurance companies, when they know you're represented by Jacob and Ronnie, they wake up. They take it seriously, and he will get you the compensation that you deserve. So, accident injury, 844-24-JACOB. That's 844-24-JACOB. 844-24-JACOB, or remember the catchy jingle, accident or injury. Call Jacob and Ronnie. Call Jacob. Jacob. Eh. That What? What? That was like a clean dismount. I was trying to conduct it too. And 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 it worked. Did it work? Okay, good. Totally. Good. I'll have to go back and and listen to the uh You don't know back. good sometimes. Yeah, I don't. I I'm hard on myself. Hard on myself. All right, hey Sue, thank you very much. Uh glad you had a great trip. You as well. Uh and uh we will see everybody next time here on the Culture Pop podcast. <laughs>